1: From Fox News, it's The Campaign with Brett Baier. On Monday, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell presented the Senate Republicans' $1 trillion stimulus proposal known as the HEALS Act. McConnell specified that the legislation would focus on the economy, health care, and education, and will feature additional stimulus checks, a reduction in unemployment insurance from the CARES Act liability protections, and $100 billion allocated to ensure schools and universities open safely. The bill's discussion comes as coronavirus cases continue to rise in places like Texas, California, and specifically Florida, which now has reported more cases of COVID-19 than New York. That, of course, one of the states hit hardest by the coronavirus months ago. Our socially distant panel is anxiously awaiting to discuss. But first, Fox News correspondent Doug McElweigh gives us an update from the campaign trail.
2: Back on the trail, but sticking close to home at an inner-city community center in Wilmington, Joe Biden said he will reveal his running mate next week. The announcement came as the former VP unveiled the fourth and final plank of his Build Back Better economic recovery plan today.
1: It's about rising. To this moment of crisis understanding people's tru- struggles and building a future worthy of their courage and their ambition to overcome
2: it's a 26 page wish list covering everything from helping black and brown farmers purchase land to providing $150 billion in new capital for small businesses who've been, quote, structurally excluded for generations. How to pay for it? It's doubtful any Republican Congress would agree. Biden's counting on Democrats taking control.
1: If I'm elected and this passes, uh, I'm going to be good to go down as one of most progressive presidents in American history.
2: He accused President Trump's remedies of favoring the rich.
1: Right now, we're in the midst of one of the greatest threats to small businesses our country has ever seen. What Donald Trump is doing about it? Well, he's given big banks the green light to loan millions of dollars
2: comment omitted the lowest black unemployment rate in history before the virus hit.
0: I support him 100%.
2: The Biden campaign also held separate events with Native Americans, another with African-American Virginia Congressman Bobby Scott, and a virtual fundraiser with President Obama and George Clooney. The virus is defining two very different agendas when it comes to rebuilding the economy. Biden's is based upon an expansion of government aid and regulation. Trump's is based upon freeing up businesses from such regulation.
1: Doug, thanks. The latest Fox News poll found former Vice President Joe Biden leading President Trump in key battleground states like Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Minnesota. And additional polls find Biden with a small lead in Arizona as well. As the 2020 race closes in on the convention, the former vice president is expected to announce his running mate in coming days. Meanwhile, President Trump announced that Republicans have decided to cancel the Republican National Convention activities planned in Jacksonville, Florida, due to concerns over COVID-19. He still plans to accept the nomination that week. We'll start there with our panel, political editor at the National Journal, Josh Krashauer, co-founder of The Dispatch and host of The Remnant podcast, Jonah Goldberg, and Washington Post columnist and AEI resident fellow, Mark Tieson. Hey guys, uh, where do we put this race right now? Uh, Mark, where where do you handicap it?
3: Uh, Donald Trump is losing right now. Uh, He probably is not losing as badly as the polls say, because I'm sure there is a secret Trump vote. There are people who, I mean, the political climate has not become more conducive to publicly stating your support for Trump in the last four months than it was four months earlier. Um, And so I think there are a lot of people who are out there and are just quietly saying, I'm gonna vote for Donald Trump. Um, and not going to tell the pollsters about that. Um, but on the other hand, I don't think it makes up for the, for the gap in the polls. Um, and the evidence you can see of that is the fact uh, that the president has suddenly shifted his rhetorical course in a big way. Uh, he's holding these presidential uh, coronavirus briefings again to show he's handling the virus seriously. He's taking it seriously. He's not getting into needless fights with reporters. Uh, he's holding events. Uh, on the road to show progress towards a vaccine, what he's doing to protect seniors. So he clearly realizes that some damage has been done, of course. Then he went and attacked Dr. Fauci on Twitter last night and blew it all up. But, you know, for Donald Trump, it's been a disciplined couple of days.
1: Yeah, relatively speaking. Until then. Relatively (laughs) speaking. Uh, Josh, you agree with that assessment? Uh, Obviously, COVID is is driving this this train.
4: Yeah, I mean, I I agree with Mark that the only way the president can get his job approval ratings up is if he can show that he's handling the coronavirus crisis competently and and there were some good signs for him in the last week that he's gone back to the these briefings that he seems to be uh, advising uh, based on the government's best policy not not based on his own personal whims on a given day but you saw the new fox poll that, that we we came out with this past week covid was the top issue by a 2 to 1 margin over the economy almost and and shows that it's not just a blue state red state issue you have republican voters in florida arizona uh, the southwest that are worried about the the government's handling of, of of the pandemic so you know i think the president has some room to grow with with the base he's, he's lost some some support or it's softened a bit with, with even republican leaning voters i think he does have a room, room to grow and, and cut Biden's margins a little bit, but it's only going to be capable, he's only capable of doing so when he takes the pandemic seriously, and there's more good news uh, that some of these these cases uh, decline as we get closer to November.
1: Meanwhile, Jonah, this HEALS Act, which is essentially the Republican version uh, for trying to get this stimulus, the next phase four, whatever you want to call it, uh, they have not really circled the wagons that well on getting um, what they want through Congress.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's, um It's a dilemma because there are some Republicans, Ted Cruz comes to mind, but there are others in his camp, that through either a mix of principle and or thinking about what the political landscape looks like in either a second Trump term or a post-Trump GOP who have a lot of incentive structure to be hardline, and then there are a bunch of people, particularly the ones who need to get reelected, like Tillis in North Carolina and others, who desperately need to seem like they're dealing with the concerns of the voters that they need to to corral. Um, you know, a lot of the Republicans up for re-election in this cycle, they definitely need to overperform Trump in their states. Maybe not every single one, but in most of them, and that means winning over suburban voters. And so they have a vested interest in protecting in 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 coming up with some serious legislation. And so that makes it very difficult to unify the GOP on this stuff. And then you add in the fact that it's just a terrible place for Republicans to be. When you put forward a trillion-dollar spending proposal on the heels of, what, two trillion that we've already spent, and you know that it's just, the, it's just opening the bidding compared to what the Democrats want, it just, it's, no Republican wants to be in that place. But they kind of have to be given where we are on all.
1: Yeah, I mean, Mark, the traditional conservative point of view is out the window as, as all these numbers are flying around.
3: Yeah, I mean, but of course, this is not a recession. We're not dealing with a recession and, uh, that was caused by bad economic policies like we did uh, in, in 2008 where we had the, the, the bailouts then. This is a response to a virus, so it's an un- unusual situation. But I think the big problem the Republicans have, and I agree with everything Jonah just said, but the additional problem they have uh, to give them more bad news is they got no, they've got no leverage. Uh, The Democrats don't want to pass a bipartisan compromise. Uh, The unemployment benefits are extremely popular. University of Chicago study found that 60 to 70 percent of individuals currently on unemployment are making more than they did uh, in their previous job. Thanks to the federal supplement, the bottom 20 of wage earners are making, on average, double what they made uh, before. That's that's a lot of good. That's a lot of money coming in. Uh, So Democrats would love nothing better than to have these benefits expire so they can blame the Republicans for the disruption in your UI support. Um, the Republicans are right on the merits, but they don't have the leverage. And the other thing is Democrats never, they have no fear in this because they never get blamed for delaying anything. Uh, you know, they did, they delayed, uh, the COVID relief twice, uh, with the paycheck protection program, especially at the, at the very beginning when they filibuster, they threatened to filibuster the bill. It held it up for over a week. That was when tens of millions of people were falling into, uh, uh, filing for unemployment. Businesses were collapsing left, right, and center. And they just said, eh. You know, we just want our, st- we want our stuff. So we're going to hold it up and nobody blame them. So they're not going to blame them here.
1: Yeah. Uh, Josh, in this time, is there some way that uh, paints a picture where the Trump campaign turns it around, but not quickly, probably, you know, we're 90 plus days, 98 days. Um, it has to have some successes, but paint that picture for a Trump supporter. Well,
4: Look, I I think, number one, the economy needs to continue to to grow, that these kind of flare-ups in the South and Southwest don't dramatically change the economic trajectory the improvement that we saw over the last couple months. I think you need to have good news on the vaccine front and good news on the lowering number of cases, and Arizona and Texas seem to be the number of cases declining, and if you can tell a good story, if you can get closer to the fall with, with a good story to tell on the pandemic... That's a number. That's number two for the president, and number three is the debates. I mean, we're, we're we're operating in a campaign that's not really a campaign, and there's really only one big moment now that that really has a chance to to change the the trajectory, which is the three debates that are going to be held starting yeah. in September. And I th- yeah, a lot yeah, of hype. General, I mean, election
1: debate. First of all, uh, the first one is going to carry a lot a lot of weight. Jonah, on the flip side, paint the picture for a Biden supporter who gets him across the finish line. What does that look like?
5: I think that, you know, first of all, I think we all agree, as Mark put at the beginning, that Trump is is losing if you hold the current situation and just extend it forward in a straight line projection, which you should never do in politics. But Biden's fundamentals in the polls are better than any challenger since, you know, our, the last time we saw anything like these, this disparity, I believe, was with Bob Dole. Um, Trump's really got serious systemic problems. I would also argue, I just wrote in my LA Times column about this, I would disagree with Mark a little bit about the significance of the secret Trump voters. I think there are some, but a lot of the people who were counted as secret Trump voters in 2016 were really just undecided, so just broke massively for Trump, which is a little different than a secret secret voter. But regardless, I think that one of the things, you know, I think a lot of people, whether you're pro-Biden or anti-Biden, they may disagree with the stark way that Donald Trump has portrayed Biden as he doesn't know he's alive, and he's mentally shot. You can disagree with that, while at the same time conceding that he kind of has lost a step, and he's and he's always said weird things. But if I were a Biden supporter, you know, one thing I would look into, you know, to to stay buoyed by is that I think the Trump campaign has set has made something of a, a blunder in setting the bar and setting expectations so low for Joe Biden. Yeah. Normally, when you go into a debate, mm-hmm. you say. You know, my opponent, they know how to do this. They've been doing it for 30 years. I'm a rookie. I'm not a big debater. This isn't my thing. And they basically, they're setting a standard that says so long as Joe Biden doesn't throw up on himself or walk off the stage to his death um, and, you know, can put sentences together, he's going to beat the expectations that the Trump campaign is setting. And so I, I think that the, the I mean, I don't, th- I don't think there's anybody out there who wouldn't want the fundamentals that Biden has versus then what trump has but you just don't you know no one should get cocky at this point because i do think the dynamics can change we'll hear from our panel after this
0: this episode is brought to you by shopify do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real pos you need shopify for retail from accepting payments to managing inventory Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you as far as expectations go. And Mark, it is amazing to see the president continue to go down this road. But on the flip side, he is setting this something he thinks is going to happen. He keeps on saying it the cognitive test all of that stuff there's a reason he's doing it he's he's done these things before what do you think of that
3: um, I think that it's a valid issue in the campaign. I think it might even be a decisive issue in the campaign when we go through the debates. Um, but uh, for the reasons Jonah said, it's, a, it's really more of the issue of the tone and how the president has done it, that he's sort of been mocking him for his cognitive decline. And that's been a problem both for, for lowering expectations for the debates, but also uh, Trump is struggling with seniors right now. And you know, making fun of somebody's cognitive decline and memory problems is not a way to appeal to seniors. Uh, a lot of them are struggling with memory issues. A lot of them have loved ones who are struggling with memory issues. They, don't, they probably don't want a president who's lost a step, uh, but they don't want to see somebody mocking him for it. Um, so you know, I think that's another problem. But I'll, I'll, let me give you a Hail Mary for Trump of how he could benefit from COVID uh, going into the election. So uh, he actually may benefit from the rising infections in the long run, because there's a great, interesting story in the Wall Street Journal today, quoting Dr. Fauci as saying that the rise in infections could actually take months out of uh, the development of a vaccine. Because they now are surging all the, uh, all the testing to Texas and Florida and all the states where the tests are surging, and they have more people who have COVID who they, in that population. And that could literally take months, they say the, the medical professionals say, off of the development of vaccine. So if before the election we have a huge breakthrough in a vaccine, Donald Trump can say, "I just set uh, Operation Warp speed for the fastest development of a vaccine." No president has ever done anything like that, and I think he'll get a lot of credit for that uh, with the voters.
1: Josh, I mean that's that's the biggest thing: how to deal with COVID and where the economy is come November third.
4: Yeah, I mean the tail is in the results. Uh, now we do we've had a lot of encouraging news on the progress of, of of the vaccines, both domestically and in England and in other countries. So you know, I, I, I even wonder if. We had great news until the the actual virus went away. I I wonder if Trump is actually going to benefit enough to, to really make a huge difference in this campaign. We know that in past elections that, you know, economic perception, perception of the right track and wrong track of the country is sort of baked in in the fall in September and October. So, you know, it may be a little too late if we get good news the week before the election to dramatically turn things around. But look, Trump's fortunes are entirely premised on... How the health situation in this country is close to the campaign,
5: particularly school closings, right? I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. going into the fall, if all the schools are opening and then closing, or just not opening at all, I think that sets a mood more on COVID than you know a lot of the other variables.
1: All right, Jonah, uh, VP pick, does it matter, and who is it?
5: I no longer think Kamala Harris has the lead on there. Um, I'm just not sure who does. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think the instinct from Biden should be, first, do no harm on this. And so I could see possibly Tammy Duckworth, because she's almost bulletproof to criticism and uh, as a campaign issue, not in, on the merits. Um, or I th- I'm starting to think Susan Rice might actually get it, which would be weird.
1: Yeah. Josh, <laughs> I, I think actually Susan Rice, from what I'm hearing, the Obama people are pushing – for her and the Biden people are comfortable and blah, blah, blah.
4: Yeah, I'm hearing a lot, of, a lot of buzz surrounding Susan Rice and the logic among Democrats goes like this. There just aren't a lot of Democrats that are kind of the obvious political picks. I mean, we, we've mentioned Val Demings and the mayor of Atlanta and, you know, uh, a lot of sort of second tier political Karen, talent. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we're really going. And, and, and ultimately, I think Biden is, is looking for a governing partner, someone who may not outshine him in the White House and looking ahead of their own political prospects in 2024. And when you look at it that way, Rice makes a lot more sense than Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris is the one person who checks the boxes politically, but but she doesn't do a whole lot else beyond that. Uh, Rice would be a governing pick, would be someone who wouldn't threaten you know, to upstage Biden in, in looking ahead to another election. And I think that makes a lot more sense at this point, the way the race is shaping up.
1: Hey, Mark, obviously Susan Rice has her own uh, history and uh, Republicans <laughs> would, um, would probably, their heads would explode at some point about Benghazi and other things. Indeed.
3: She does, but I mean, she the, the most important box she checks is that she has the foreign policy credentials uh, to step in as commander-in-chief because this is a, a vice presidential pick unlike any other for the very reason that we were discussing about Biden's mental acuity, and uh, and you know he he's he'll be older the day he takes office than Ronald Reagan was on the day he leaves office, so he's probably going to be a one-term president. Uh, so whoever he picks for vice president has to pass more than any other vice presidential pick in, in my lifetime, the test of I could step in, I'm a heartbeat away from the presidency. I could step in and just having been national security advisor and all of her background, plus also being an African American woman who checks the political boxes that the Democrats need. She's a good choice. The other person who I think would be a smart choice for him is Val Demings, uh, because she she's an African American woman. Uh, which is important. Uh, She is popular with the left because she was an impeachment manager uh, and she's very smart, but she also helps Biden make the case that he's not anti-police, which is important for swing boats because she's a former Orlando sheriff and police officer. Um, So I I think that she, she, just looking at checking boxes, she's by far the best candidate, but Susan Rice is up there too.
1: All right. Biden-Rice, we will see if it comes together. Uh, Guys, thanks so much. I appreciate the time. Here's a bit of campaign trivia for you. July 27, 2004, Illinois state senator and U.S. senatorial candidate Barack Obama delivered the keynote address at the 2004 Democratic National Convention Obama was identified by the Kerry campaign and many others as a rising star in the Democratic Party after his substantial victory in the Illinois U.S. Senate Democratic primary. The keynote address was the first time Barack Obama entered the national political stage, but it would not obviously be his last, later becoming the 44th President of the United States. That will do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. You, we want to hear from you. For Josh, Jonah, and Mark, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time.
2: The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day, featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.